okay, I grew like maybe 2K followers or something on the Facebook page. Then I kind of gave up. I was like, nah, this is not working. You know, it doesn't matter how many you post. People say the more you post, the more engagement you get and all that kind of stuff. And then I just stopped posting for like two weeks. And then suddenly it just... <laughs> so every time wow. I say, when every time I tell people like, when you're not growing, just stop posting. They're guys. They do magic. magic. They are the magic guys. Oh boy, we're here. I can't believe we've made it again to episode 127. When will this end? Never. Never, I say. To my left, we have Nick K. Welcome to the show, friends. Down below, there he is. We got Doug Khan. Salutations, everyone. Oh yeah, and I'm Josh Norbito. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We're starting a little late, I know, but we love to accommodate for our guests when we can because, as you know, we do this live and we've got everyone in the comments. They know exactly who's coming on here. Look at this. We've got hashtag Team What. His people are already in the building taking over the chat section. So look, I think we should uh, spare no time here and bring on our guests. What do you guys think? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him from your socials. You already follow him, but he needs no introduction, but we have one here ready for him. Animated, by the way. Let's welcome Jeremy Tan. Here he is. The crowd goes crazy. Thank you for having me on the show. I was saying Uh, before the show, you guys, that um, my circle of friends, magic friends, they were so pumped that you were going to be part of this show. So thank you so very much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I see you're cranking out that amazing content, which is like a full-time job, but then you're like a full-time performer. You're like a real <laughs> magician. So I know I, you I have try, zero I time. Try so I say thank you. Thank you. For <laughs> you, you know what I want to know is when we were talking with Jason Ma back in the day when he did a, a cruise ship stint of like four yes. months or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, found it, he found it impossible to find – a way to film content or even to have nice lighting uh, or anything. Like he he filmed zero, which he had planned to film every day. Mm-hmm. How the heck do you find time or how do you orchestrate filming stuff on a ship? I, I try my best. I bring like a very simple lighting setup. And, um, you know, sometimes I just use the window light because, you know, and no, can you elaborate on what bringing a simple lighting setup is? I'm curious. What is that for so, you? So I have, I don't have it with me now. It's in the other room, but it's uh, like a like a Pavo tube, like a tube mm-hmm. light, a tube okay. LED light. Yeah, and I just have it beside, uh, standing vertically, on yeah. the on the table, and then where my little camera setup is, that's where it is. And then and then um, it's interesting. Yeah, that's how I film stuff most of the time. I, I was looking at mm-hmm. tube lights today, actually, as an as an option I haven't explored before. Cool. Mm. You know, it would cool. be amazing if they made a tube light actually mount a com- like a, a camera on the top of, because then you would get this you 360 could. light, you know, and then just mount it on the top and then just, that's a really mm. great idea. You put a, you put a tripod on the bottom, your tube light, and on top you sit your camera, and I think that would light pretty well. That's Probably we might have hit upon something, gentlemen. My million dollar idea. 
<laughs> no one's thought of that before. Oh boy, now, Jeremy, Sorry, I feel like thank you. I feel like you know everyone here knows you because that's why they're here. But did you want to share a little piece of magic goodness for the viewers that maybe if one person has accidentally stumbled on here and not seen what you do yet? Okay, so um, <laughs> sweet. That's that's what we wanted to hear. This. Let's try this. Uh, check this out, okay? Magic always starts with a little bit of imagination. So right here, see? Give it a blow. It becomes... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so this is uh, coin number one. The reason I say why it's coin number one is because uh, money attracts money. So if I do this, you will see uh, more coins. There we go. That's two coins. Yeah. This coin is quite interesting because you can jump from one hand to the other just like that over and over again. Yeah. The last coin is right here. Watch. Eesh. Little squeeze like this. You don't see it oh, just yet. Only when I snap my fingers and only then does it appear over here. That's uh, coin number one, coin number two, and coin number three. As quickly as they come, they go. The first one, a little wave like this. Little squeeze and you can hang it back to where it came from. Leaving me with only just two coins. The next one, exactly the same way. Watch carefully here. Little squeeze and... Uh, oh, sorry. Thank you, Gary Kurtz. And one last one, watch carefully. <laughs> the last coin, little wave like this, snap my fingers. And there we go, gone completely. Bam. Thank you. Oh, damn. You know, it's so lovely to see this beautiful sleight of hand done with coins because you, I guess, the majority of the work that I've seen or enjoyed from yourself has been card work, but your coin work is phenomenal. Absolutely oh, amazing. You. Funny, yeah. funny story. Um, in my FISM act, it's it's coin work. No kidding. I yes. love that you misdirected me on the camera there. You totally had me looking here. I love that you were able <laughs> to do that through the black mirror. Beautiful thing. Wow. You know we're going to be watching that again on the replay. Absolutely. You know, it's hard so. to do that through the screen, to direct the attention to a specific location while watching the magic trick. It's challenging. Mm. Yeah, you one of the it. most important things I was taught, like with, with using, starting to do, you know, stuff for camera, especially during the times of Zoom and whatever else, was trying to understand there's a single eyeball and yeah. it's always watching. And then all the things that you were performing where you can direct people's attention, you know, as a, like misdirection's one thing, but I always, it's, it's much better to just say directing people's attention, I Fact. think. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you kindly. So when you direct yeah. people's attention, you know, it's phenomenal because I mean, I, I do things where I put cards underneath people's drinks and they're literally within inches of them or like all I have to do is look from here two inches to the left and they will see my dirty work. But because of the focus that happens in that moment, it's really something. But the fact that you can pull that off with with Big Brother watching to that little eye. <laughs> beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. That's why he's got so the followers, what? man. That's why he's got what the I'm followers. really curious about is you, you, you create so much content, which ultimately means that you create a lot of magic. And I think that's beautiful. Do you have a sort of list or repertoire that you go like, this is my working repertoire and this <coughs> is my internet repertoire? Like, is this how your brain works in that sense? Because I like you, I, I, I this online realm is very new to me. It's only since being asked to come on board with the podcast. I'm the newest member of the show. And doing, um, you know, Tricky Day May has been really beneficial. But I've learned that, like, now I have the beauty of being able to create magic in different forms. One, camera. Two, real people. Do you have working repertoires in both realms? How does it work? How does your brain work? 
So you're right to say that I have um, like working repertoires and internet work. But some, actually a lot of the internet work, uh, the, the short form videos that I post, they are actually um, things that I also perform um, in real life. It's just that I have to now shorten the presentation or change the presentation to suit the uh, internet um, world because attention span is this much, right? And if you don't capture them, I mean, dark knows. If you if you don't capture them in the first two seconds, they just swipe away, regardless of who you are. Even if it's a a, a famous uh, singer or whatever, in, in the first two seconds, you know, mm. something is happening. Sorry, right? And so, which is quite interesting. So what I do is I, I take um, some of my um, working repertoire and try and translate them into... into um, internet uh, videos so it also gives me a challenge like for example i remember posting one video of like a coins across very simple coins across thing but it's the last phase is usually done with an audience uh, member's hand or something like that right and then i'm performing alone so how do i actually go about doing it and uh, make sure that it still looks good on camera and all that stuff so i think it's nice exercise um this internet um, video thing is also very new to me. I started posting short form videos in January of 2021. So I'm also late to the game. Yeah. Never too late, though. As it's I think you arrived right on time. I saw you progress, sir. And, I, you know, I and you just made all the right choices. You put in the hard work and... Uh, you produce quality, you know, and and, it, and you reap the rewards, you know. The effort was obvious to me, and I was not surprised, or am I still? I, I'm, I'm a little curious about your output. Uh, like, I see you a lot on my social medias. How often do you produce a short-form piece? Um, minimally once a week. Minimal uh, one. Especially when I'm, yeah, especially when I'm on cruise ships, mm -hmm. because... Um, Internet's not always the best, so yeah. I, I might in one day shoot a couple of videos, and I know I'll be set for like this contract. Um, and then when I'm home, I have loads of stuff. I'm actually, if I zoom out, this place is actually in a mess. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm actually, shooting, I'm actually shooting a lot of stuff and then just scheduling them as I go. But ultimately, I try to, like, the ultimate goal here is to hopefully... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. I was literally thinking how fun... Ultimately, it just... the goal here is to try and post, like, three to five videos a week. I think that's yeah. uh, something that is quite doable. But, of course, it's always quality over quantity. I remember there are times where, you know, when you post a video and it like doesn't do well and then you go like oh it's uh what, what am i going to do next you know and then you like there was a period of time when i when i first started my facebook page um so i started my facebook page this year because i couldn't get um professional mode on my profile if that makes any sense so facebook profile and then facebook page right gotcha. facebook profile I, I post videos because I make short form videos and I post them everywhere. Um, and at this point, I think I have over 150,000 followers just on my Facebook profile, but I couldn't monetize or do anything with it. And I like to keep my Facebook profile as my own private thing. And then, so I needed to start a page, which I did just at the end of last year. 
And then every, I would just recycle the old videos that I posted because it's a brand new page. So I just posted the videos on the Facebook page. Every two days, I posted one video. So every alternate day, there was a new video. And then for like close to two months, something like that, or one and a half months, and nothing. I, I didn't grow much. Okay, I grew like maybe 2K followers or something on the Facebook page. Then I kind of gave up. I was like, nah, this is not working. You know, it doesn't matter how many you post. People say the more you post, the more engagement you get and all that kind of stuff. And then I just stopped posting for like two weeks. And then suddenly it just... <laughs> so every wow. time I say, when every time I tell people like, when you're not growing, just stop posting. The platform will miss you. Really? And then... They will they will get you back um, to the recommended or for you page or whatever. Same yeah, happened to me on TikTok. Same happened to me on Instagram as well. So yeah, that's so. In- you actually gave me that advice too. Once I finished yeah, Tricky Day, May. I was like, wow, <laughs> really? Stop posting. Like the last. I was like, I last- need about six months off. Then cool. I can use the, <laughs> I can use the break. <laughs> We're all gonna go on a cruise ship and watch your show for a couple of weeks. Screw this, guys. Yeah. Let's go. No, really. Like um, for my last contract, um, it was very stressful because I had to perform in Japanese. I don't speak the language, so I had to learn the show, get my friends oh. to translate it for me, and then after every show, we would have like a little meeting, and then oh, this happened. What could I say more and all that? So it was a very stressful month. I was on board, and um, I didn't post any like. Even weeks before I came on board, I was preparing for the show and all that. Maybe four to six weeks, something like that, without a video. I think that's fair. I mean, like when things come up where you have like a very important corporate, you have to create something. Um, currently in Australia, we have the Melbourne Magic Festival, which, you know, if you ever would be, you know, desire to come and visit Australia, we'd love to have love you perform it. or lecture there. Um, that would be absolutely amazing. But it's just one of those things that you need to sort of prioritize like your big projects to so make sure that you deliver your magic the way it's intended to be seen by the people who are paying for the privilege to sit in the theater and watch your magic. It's super important. That's right. Yeah. Curious. Do you learn the language phonetically? Like, or do you know what, do you know the words you're saying or do you just say the sounds when you, um, when you learn I an know the like words I can't imagine the process. Yeah. Yeah. I know the words I'm saying. Um, and I have to try and, act as though I know the language, but at the same time, I tell the audience that I don't, right? And I really don't. I can't hold a conversation or anything like that. So Mm. I do an opening act. It's a little card manipulation bit in the front just to, you know, capture. Magic is all visual. Um, And then Mm. when the the curtains come down, I come in front. I go like, uh, because it's it's not a full Japanese crowd. It's just that majority is Japanese, like Mm. out of, 2,300 um, passengers, 1,700 is, right? Japanese. Oh. And okay. so I would start the show and I'll go, um, Diamond Say Princess, make some noise. And then they'll go, hey. And then I'll go, um, okay, let's try this. Uh, English speakers say, yeah. And then they'll go, yeah. There's like literally very little of them, yeah. right? And then I'll go, Mandarin speakers say, yeah, yeah. And then I'll do a bit in Mandarin because I can speak uh, Mandarin. And then I'll go, okay, uh, Japanese speakers say, yeah. And then they'll, everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. but I'm speaking English. And then they'll go, nah. So <laughs> what's your <laughs> what's line in Japanese? Like, how, what, does it, what does it sound like exactly? Because I imagine that I would say my script 
like the way that a kid would sing Ramstein German metal <laughs> band lyrics. You know what I mean? I don't know what I'm saying. So, so after, it's just I, heavy after metal. I say, uh, yeah. So after I say, um, yeah, but I'm speaking English. But okay, okay, okay. I, I, I came prepared. And then I take out a piece of paper, <laughs> open it up, and I go, Minasan, konbanwa means good night, uh, good evening. And then I say, um, uh, Nihon go wa sukoshi shika hanasemasen, which means that I, I don't speak Japanese and I do apologize and yuroshite ne. And then you get applause from that, right? Because they know that you are trying. And that's what I love about the, the Japanese people. They know that you are trying, right? And I go, Watashi wa Jeremy desu. Uh, I'm Jeremy. Singapore uh, karakimashita. I come from Singapore. Dozo yoroshiku negaishimasu. And then big applause, right? Because I introduced myself and I spoke everything in Japanese. And then I go, um, yeah, but there's nothing here. It's a blank piece of paper. And then it gets the audience going. So they know my character Love it. right from the start, right? And wow. and that's how I kind of like do the show. So um, I have to be in this character where I go, I'll say everything in English because there's English speaking audiences. And then I'll go, okay, Nihongo. Um, and then I'll, I don't know, take my phone out and then go, ah, okay, now <laughs> this, you know. And then as the show progresses, I did away with the phone because um, it just looks better and uh, keeps the flow of the show going. So, yeah, I really enjoy that contract and the friends that I made just by, you know, helping me with the translation and all that kind of stuff. It's just amazing. So, yeah. There was a really there's a really good bit that, um, Doug, I might need help with this one. Uh, I want to say Joe Montana or Joe something, uh, bald guy, mustache, does comedy magic and he had this piece that he released many many moons ago his name escapes me right now and i should do my diligence on this one but he had a bit where he would write a set list of his tricks and then he would say because i'm a professional he would light it on fire and then it would just become ash and sort of float off into the air and he's like okay the first trick was um uh and he would forget but then he would grab the ash and restore it immediately Oh, really good oh. bit of really good bit of kit, and I think that would be so cool if you were like you did your bit and you spoke and you were trying to remember like the last few words of your script and then went like um hang on a sec and then you restored it and you were like oh uh, nice. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that would be yeah. so great it'd be such a good piece of magic yeah that's nice that's nice <laughs> Doug's nodding Rich like Murata that... is probably the guy thank you yeah just say that one more time into the mic. Rich Morata, M-A-R-O-T-T-A, New York Ooh. comedy kind of magician guy. <clears throat> Classic Ooh. effect, his presentation for, you know, this uh, vanishing paper kind of thing. Great wow. trick. Good, Love it. good bit. Hey, we've got a little animation from Scotty P this week. I'm going to play that, and then we've got an audio question for Jeremy from one of the listeners. So let's check awesome. out what Scotty P's up to this week. I remember driving into the strip and seeing the Luxor at night, which has this light that shoots out the top of it. So it's a giant pyramid with a light. The strength of that light hits the moon. But they put that on top of a casino just because. Like, that has nothing to do with pyramid. They're like, hey, you know what we should do? Let's fucking stick a light on top that hits the moon, man. It's built on stealing that much money from people that they can just, for kicks, put a light on top of their building that slaps the moon. 
it's them back signal for gamblers, you know? Ah. <laughs> uh. Scotty P's done oh, it again. So it's good. funny. I read a story recently. The Luxor is not doing so well, and they've dimmed that light just a little bit. They've like dialed it down. Wow. Maybe it doesn't hit the moon anymore. It's literally just blasting out money. That's that's insane. Just, okay, they got, look, they got a couple uh, of fluorescent bulbs, you know, hanging on wires out the top. Wow! Man, Look I at love the that. heat uh, temperature of that thing. That it would be insane. I reckon I'd be too scared yeah. to stand close to it and I'd, like lose sperm or something. That's crazy. <laughs> well, Chris, Chris Angel levitated in the light, right? Like on top oh. of it. So that might maybe, explain some maybe behavior. Yeah, true, true. Okay, question for Jeremy from sure. Juggling Liam. Nope. Yes, yeah, we do question. have a question. Here it is. Hey, it's Juggling Liam from Australia, uh, and I have a question for Jeremy. My question is, when was your first magic performance, and how did it go? Did anything go wrong? Thanks, Liam. Thanks for your question, man. Yeah, interesting Thank one. You. Everyone has their horror stories. What's yours? <laughs> uh, so, let's not talk about close-up magic, because close-up magic was pretty easy for me. I started as a magic demonstrator, and then... I um, it was very easy for me to transition performing for real people and all that. Um, but my first ever stage magic um, gig that I did, I was like a guest performer um, for a for a show, for a Christmas show, and I was just a small small bit. And I remember that was my first time ever being on stage. I did manipulation, I did like card manipulation, balls, appearing canes, and all that kind of stuff. And never once. Did I look at the audience? My head was like this the whole time. I was just doing my thing. I could not. <laughs> there was just something pressing my head down. I could not look at the audience. Not once. Okay, maybe at the end. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah First I, ever I, I've heard of this happening with people who rehearse in the mirror a lot, you know? Um, and they have this gaze that as they perform, there's an audience there, but they just sort of have this like distant gaze and it's this <laughs> not engaging. It's really, yeah. I, I actually, my first gig was, in, this was an audition at a mall. I was trying to get a gig at the food court doing strolling magic. I was 16 years old. This guy videotaped me, complimented my magic, but he said, Doug, there's a problem there. Do you see it? You see the problem? And I said, I'm not sure. And he said, they never look up at you. They always look at the magic. You know, you never. And I was the same thing, right? It's all about the magic trick. And no one is mm. giving any credence to the performance or the. So I think yeah, similar kind of deal. I think I, think I got I, that gig, but I ended up doing just balloon animals to make money. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I wanted to make money, I had to get tips, and that's the only thing that got them. I think that's something that's changed on social media is now that people are watching like the full frame instead of, although some people will post videos of just their hands, you know, now they're getting to know the people a bit more. So you don't have to do your magic where it's all like up here, I well, guess. Well, crotch, crotch magic is very much a genre. You know, mm. where you just have your hands down at your lap and you do your thing. And I know lots of magicians that would that would do stuff here, like against their chest, even on stage, you know, that would just they're so used to practicing <laughs> like this. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of ways of thinking about it when you perform 
you know, laterally, vertically, et cetera. And just even just doing like a routine that you would do on the table and bringing it up here at the face, you know, like, I mean, coins across to three fly is the perfect example of that, you know? And so you frame it between your face. It's a lot more fun. I think yeah. the caution comes from the mirror. If you over practice in a mirror, which as a young man was all I had, we didn't have cell phones and videos and so forth. So I had to practice that way. And if you do that too much, you get, just get used to staring at yourself doing the magic and mm. you know, just, yeah. Remember to project upwards and outwards for sure. Perhaps. I'm going to rapid fire a few questions at uh, Jeremy from the comments here. So if you're not watching this live, if you're listening to this later, you get here live, you get to ask the things that are just burning that you want to ask the guests. So, Jeremy, first of all, I think we all want to know, how or when did the what become the catchphrase? That's that's very interesting because it didn't come from me. It came from my audiences. <clears throat> so, the, so I was posting videos and the number one uh, comment was tutorial, please, or please teach us, you know, that kind of thing. The number two comment was what? And I was like, Huh. So I've been seeing this for a couple of videos now and I go like, hmm, what if I said what at the end? Would it be, you know, a thing? So I was like, I have nothing to lose. So I tried, right? And I did it. I ended the video and I go, what? And then it went well. Like the audiences loved it. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. And so I did it for a, for, for a few videos and then I forgot to do it for one and then the comments came in uh, I was here for the magic but I stayed for the what and it's not there and uh, where is the what and I was like oh shit I built something now <laughs> Mark. Go, okay. Mark. yeah See, so that's, I was that's like really oh, okay so you should I, 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 I would just do everything and then I coined myself like the CEO of making you go what and uh, and yeah it became a thing so thank you to you know, my audiences, team what? Yeah. See, I thought about making a compilation myself because here in Australia, I think especially, the highest honor you can receive as a magician or a performer is when they kind of swear at you. So they might say, what the f***? Um, yeah, yeah. Or they might say, oh, get um, off, off. Oh, this guy can go get You know, like it's just one thing after another. It's quite fun. And... I thought about making a compilation of that um, a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, I wonder if I could just make a compilation of like cuss words of every time someone loses their mind. But then I thought that might just look like everyone's telling me to go F myself. <laughs> so, um... yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, yeah, next... that's, that's, that's how, that's how what came about. So thank you. I love that. There is one other um, good tagline I've heard in videos and it's when uh, someone says this, and that has to be worthy of a like and share. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> it's pretty good too it's pretty goddamn him all right um so here's another one <coughs> if it wants to show on the screen how do you get your video quality so good and all of that yeah tell us jeremy how do you do that it's um i would say the important thing for all good video quality is lighting that's it there is mm. like of course you if you get like a like a mirrorless camera, like I'm using a Sony and this one has a lot of functions. And when you like, for example, show a card, right? You see, I become blur and the card becomes mm. uh, very, and it's all because of the lens as well. It's not just good camera. you got to get a the lens, lens. you rock in there. This is the Sigma 1628 F 2.8. 
So the uh, if you look at lenses and you go look at the f-stop, the lower it is, the more blurry things will become at the back. You know, so yeah. And that's set at two point eight right now. Um, yes, it is. It's set at two point eight. That's remarkably. It's remarkably blurry for two point eight. Yeah, I agree. Right now, a lot like of right depth now there from that. So this is one point four right now, and yeah, yours is that. still I mean, like if you yours is. That, it's. Like yours is just right. Like you can still see it's not all mushy behind you. Um, mm. That's interesting. Yeah. And then, yeah, and it's an adjustable lens, so that's cool too. Are you? Do you yeah, shoot yeah. in in S log if you're on a Sony? Um, so I used to shoot in S log three, and then after I got the uh, Sony A seven S three, I shoot S cine tone, and then. Uh, for my vlogs, I can't be bothered to color grade them, so I just shoot them in standard profile, nothing else. And I don't color grade nothing because the whole idea is to pop wow. out these videos as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, and um, wow. yeah, Cinetone is the one that's like it sort of emphasizes the blacks and stuff like that. Is that right? Cinetone is the one that um, Netflix uses. So it's wow. on the FX3, it's on the uh, A7S3, and now it's on the ZVE1 as well. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a very nice uh, little color thing that... Uh, it looks very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about, your, what about your audio component? Are you using lapel mics or are you using just uh, like a shotgun? What's the deal with that? Um, I use a shotgun mic, and there is this Sony shotgun mic, <laughs> and they, they suck at naming... Um, microphones it's called the ecm b10 <laughs> so what i like about it is that it, it it connects with the with the um hot shoe mount so there's a connector it connects there you tighten it and then everything is just automatic like you can choose whatever direction you want just by a click of a button just move the slider and then um you can have noise cancellation, you can have low cut filter, you can adjust everything. But once you set it at one setting, you never change it. And it's usually the default setting that it comes in. And this is, is the battery power? Mm. You have to charge it? No. So it no. takes battery from the from the camera and it's just stuck nice. into the hot shoe. And that's the microphone that I that I tell everyone to buy. And it's weatherproof, so perfect for Ooh. outdoors and to vlog and stuff like that. Love it. Nice. Yeah, wow. and that's the setup that I use. I'll, I'll take a photo and there. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to use like the Rode Video Mic Pro and uh, uh, Wireless Go and all that kind of thing. That's yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have to charge them and then sometimes the the 3.5mm jack gets loose and I don't get audio. I get like a buzz and all that. And then, yeah, this one just, I just want it as simple as possible. I know everything else, if there was a setting mistake or something I could fix in post. So, you know, it's, yeah. Most of the time I I shoot my short form videos. I just cut the front and the end and that's it. I just post it. I don't even like color grade or anything. These Far days. out. Yeah. It's so, the, the <laughs> coloring is so warm and nice. That, that's in, in the studio, yes, because like it's like all these uh, the pop arts, they help with soundproofing mm. and all that. Like the moment I step out of my room, that's it. The sound is shit. It's so echoey and all that. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, these these lights are really good. Jeremy sounds like SpongeBob when he leaves the studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can get like hey. cinematic lights and all that. 
<laughs> we have one more um, audio question. So, by the way, guys, um, we have the new thing. We have a new thing. It's in the description of wherever you're listening to this. It's called SpeakPipe, and it's essentially a, a voicemail machine for the Magic Guys. So you click on that link. It's a one button press. It starts a recording, you end it, you can put your name and email or you can send it anonymously, but it's a way that uh, you guys can interact with the show. So send us your voicemails. It can be, you'll see on the link, you can either leave a story, a question, something funny that happened, ask for advice, whatever you want. Um, but we have one here uh, to play for you. So go drop some, uh, some voicemails and we'll pick some to play next week. But nonetheless, here is one uh, for us now. Mr. Sean Green, I'm a magician out of Manchester, New Hampshire, and my question to you guys is, in your own definition, what do you think a truly magical moment is or means to you? I love watching you guys, um, and I hope that you enjoy this question. Bro, thank you. What's the name, Sean? Hang on, let me... Hey, guys, my name is Deshaun Green. I'm Deshaun. Deshaun. Yeah, good question. Thank you, Deshaun. That's a great question. Jeremy, you want to take point on this one? Um, sure. I think that magic that happens for them, it's more important. So like even for like close up situations, whether it's a social gathering or a paid gig, I know you're hearing. <laughs> Sorry, my phone exploded. <laughs> <laughs> so for a social gathering or a paid gig, I, I don't come out hot and just, oh, here, I'm a magician, pick a card. I like to like get to know people, what they do for a living and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And before magic, that means something to them. Um, yep. I think these are things that are more memorable. So like a lot of the mind reading stuff I do during the close-up gigs or on stage, that there's a set show, there's a set list, but at the same time, if I like talk to them and, you know, it was a funny, whatever, occupation or a weird occupation that you don't hear often and all that, you know, you, you you try and just have a bit of conversation. I mean, we are all human after all, and it's nice to kind of like also break the fourth wall with the audience. So, yeah, it's more relatable in that sense, I think. So, yeah, yeah there's I agree no with that. Like, good magic trick that will work for everybody. Uh, although... Unless <laughs> it's the sponge <laughs> I've, I've been... <laughs> no, it's not. I've, I've been... Uh, I've been performing Heartbeat by Juan uh, Alas. Oh. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Tell it's, us. A it's so good. I, I can't tell you about it. Like, you have to feel it for yourself. But how do you yeah. perform it? I'm very curious because it, we, we've done, I've done a review on this product and we actually give one away to our good friend, our listener of the show. And. Yep. It's not one of those things you can do entirely in, in a group setting. It's not really engineered for that. Although yep. you can, and I have done it in that sense, that I've created it as this kind of dual reality when I perform it for a single person. I'm like, you're the birthday person. i got something just for you. This is only for your, your heart, your head alone. And you perform it just for them, and they don't say anything. But it makes everyone else go, oh, I want to experience that. It's, do you do it in a group setting or do we do it just for a single person? Like, what's your um, so far, what's your approach? I've done it for like a small group. Obviously, I prefer yeah. to do it for one person. And I spoke to Juan about it as well. I said, like, do you do anything else with it? Like, is it part of a bigger routine or do you mm. just do it as on its own? And, okay. and he told me that he just does it on his own. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's that's uh, 
I would imagine that there was a there was a bigger routine that ended with this. So I I I tried and I experimented a little bit. So I have an uh, audience uh, shuffle a deck of cards, you know, and then they place it on the on the table and then they cut anywhere. Wherever they cut to, they remember this card. And then commit that to their memory. And then I said, okay, let's try this. And then I go through the whole heartbeat thing. Mm. And then once once they feel it, once I go like this, they feel it, the reaction, they look at me and then I go, four of hearts. And then I just yeah. don't say anything for the next few minutes. And just let them react and they go, because <clears throat> now there are many reactions. First, how did he know what card I shuffled the deck and all that, the magic part. And then next is, what was this? Like, this is ah, just so surreal. And, can I uh, say, yeah, that is so much, can I just say, that is so much better than zapping someone in the forehead to then say the review. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Some people need a zap in the forehead, if you ask me. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. Like, ah, that's so good. That's so good. I know hey, how you did that. Did your buddy? You f- yeah. I, I, I do remember our buddy Pasha, a uh, listener of the podcast, he was telling me he had a heckler once so bad that he just, he powered that thing up so much and he just used one finger. And he's like, you're going to feel the moment. And, he's, and he got them so good. They just did not go near him the rest of the night. <laughs> But you you so, get a but you get a shot as well, right? As the performer. Yeah, but I think I think he was happy to like take that, you know. Okay. <laughs> he was like this is this is worth it. Which brings us to a good segment. Uh, we'd like to call gig stories. So gig stories is a little story time where we like to share moments of magic that happened while we're performing or just while we've been out and about. Uh, let's start this week with Josh. Do you have a cool story? Mine really quick. Performing on a rooftop last week. Great. Super cold. Went to do card on ceiling. And um, <laughs> my wax <laughs> that, that helps me with the routine, it's too cold. It couldn't adhere to the, 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 the roof. Just boom, boom, came straight back down. Had to keep going. Um, that was my gig story. Yes. Wow. How did, uh, how did you recover? Oh, good one. Well, you know, I build it up, right? Uh, it's at the end of a routine. So I'm like, great. And if I throw it just at the right angle, one card will, you know, jump out. Boom, boom. Did you see it? <laughs> no? Okay, well, hang on. Maybe it's because there is no card in this deck. Oh, but hang on. In my wallet is one card and that's yours. And I scratch the thing off and put it back in my belt Kudos, and friend. give it away. <laughs> well done. That was great. Yes. Yes, yes. Well, what about you? I have, a cool what about you Nick? I have a cool story for you, friends. So I uh, was, uh, for those of you that don't know, we're in now in the second week of the Melbourne Magic Festival, and I was lucky enough to do a show alongside my good friend, Michael Pope. So it was a nice double billing at the Laneway Theatre here in Melbourne. Uh, we sold out that show like two or three weeks before the festival even started. So like we had a good show to deliver. And um, I was performing my pieces, and one of which was the shattered routine in which you break a beer bottle and then you cover it with bags and you crush each individual bag. Um, and I think it was the third, like the second bag. And I have the spectator up on stage, and in this part of the routine, we crush the bag together. This guy was so into it. <laughs> Bill, he was so into it. Ordinarily, you've got to like force their hand down you know you do this whole like run and they're like ah this guy was like let's do this man let's crush this bag and he pushed down with such ferocity that he collapsed the table like the table is held together by a a chain 
a chain, gentlemen. And the thing just, it, it's an X frame. It just went snap and the whole thing just collapsed. Like he just put his hand through the table as if like Bruce Lee was doing a demonstration on how to break boards, like some Jackie Chan stuff. And um, it was pretty awesome. It just, my whole table just collapsed. It was all over. And then I had to like, I, in between each set, I have the stage go black and I run a little vignette, a little, a little like 10, 30 second video so that I can get prepped in between each set, you know, and it's, it's like a bit of a pellet cleanser before I start the next routine. And um, I was trying to rebuild the table in the vignette, but it was super funny because like he destroys the table. I'm finishing with the cups and balls after that, of which I need the same table from because I have my kicker ending installed into the table. It's a, it's a kabuki drop, you know, and it's a real fun moment. But all that happens is, Video ends, lights go up, and I'm underneath the table trying to, like, <laughs> fix it. <laughs> well, so, it's worth losing a table for a good moment that you catch on it video. Was great. What I loved about it was everybody walked away from it going, like, it's so cool that we can say that, do you remember that time when the table broke? And I was like, I like that. I love. And now everyone that saw it, um, and magic friends of mine especially, were like, did you mean to do that? Because if you didn't, can you do that every show or every time you do that routine? Like maybe on the last one, like you every single time you just go through it. And I'm like, maybe, maybe life imitates art. Maybe I should try to find a way to that the table gets destroyed in the last one. But uh, it was a great show. And thanks to everyone who came along to it. It was awesome. Wow. Doug, what you got? That That's amazing. I can't wait to see that video. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm over here contemplating how to integrate big time wrestling and the magic tricks to create dramatic <laughs> moments like tables breaking consistently in the act. But I digress. <laughs> Along similar, I, I didn't have a gig story prepared, but I was thinking about when someone asked, well, why, why, what we love about magic, you know, one of my favorite things on the street is just, you know, making uh, the, the, I have a street story that, that, Long story short, my roommate ended up uh, being a crime, what do you call it, a superhero. I'm out in the pitch working my show. This woman starts screaming, thief, thief. And this dude runs out of the restaurant in Jackson Square with a purse. He's stealing this lady's purse in a restaurant. My roommate, the Transformer, uh, did an act where uh, she turned into a car chase this person down well when jocelyn takes off after this person i follow suit grabbing my uh, stool we tackle this dude to the ground long story short he gets arrested good times on the street there's my gig story wow that's great <laughs> too often you get to you know fight crime when you're out doing magic tricks i have two bits to contribute to that idea for wrestling so you do a revelation card trick someone comes out in a costume the costume is incorrect it was like it's supposed to be the queen of hearts and this guy comes out as a seven of diamonds so you grab him and you suplex body slam into a costume change and come back up so sometimes you just gotta body slam <laughs> into oh, a boy. costume change and correct the revelation but um, one more, one more thing about, uh, about theft, a friend, a magician friend of mine was, um, saw the same sort of deal. He saw someone with a bag running away, another guy chasing him. And, um, and then he was like, I'm going to involve myself here. So he chased this guy down an alleyway, cornered him and said, like, just give me the bag. And he's like, no, man. And it was like, it's mine. He goes, no, I saw you steal it. Give me the bag. And then he was like, 
no, like absolutely not. And he was like, okay, you give me the bag. I'll go back to him. And if it's not, I'll return it. Right. So anyway, he corners this guy, threatens him and he's very well trained in martial arts. He grabs the bag, goes back to the guy and goes, Hey man, I got your bag back. And then he was like, that's not my bag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) It was like, what? He goes, no, um, he tried to king hit me. So he did something bad. Okay. He goes, he tried to punch me. And so, and he missed. So I chased him and he ran off. And then he was like, ah, crap. He looked inside the bag (laughs) and it was just some homeless guy who was a bit of a, like, you know, looking for a fight or whatever else. All that was in this bag was like a couple of candy bars and a can of deodorant. And so he went back there to give this guy back his stuff, but he'd already taken off. And so effectively my mate mugged a homeless guy for involving himself when he shouldn't have. Wow. Man, I hope Bob Possible's all right. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> but uh, All right, Jeremy, we, let's get back to the man of the hour. Jeremy, what do you have? You must have some crazy tales of the sea or something. Uh, well, a couple of them, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I, so for me, interesting when you when you mentioned rooftop, Josh, mm. um, and and we'll and we'll get back to we'll get back to John and Psycho Magician. I think they have some questions as well. <laughs> um, but the um, rooftop. So I was there was once I was hired for a uh, rooftop gig, and uh, they told me that uh, oh, this is uh, just a you know just hanging out with friends a very chill kind of private party you know um and um, it's just like champagne and cigar kind of thing i was like oh, okay cool you know because I, I need to know how how to dress right because it's it's a it's a it's a paid gig and and all that and try to you know accommodate to if they have a they have a little theme going on i would go dress as that theme whatever hawaiian night or whatever right hmm. so i arrived there and um I looked around and everyone was topless. Everyone was nude. Like, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Including the ladies. <laughs> wow. And I was like, okay, right, I'm going to about this. And uh, I like to keep my shirt on. But it was like so cool. Like, I remember like the owner came and I was like, oh, hey, uh, you're here and all that. Yeah, yeah, just, you know enjoy the party and uh, just go do some magic for some people. I don't know. Whatever you do, right? They just wanted like a form of entertainment, right? And everybody was clearly having a good time. They don't need a magician like what? Holy. <laughs> so they didn't, see they didn't brief you? Campaign in one hand, that in the other, cigar in my mouth, walking up to people and I go, hey, what's up? Yeah, take these, shuffle the cards, give it a good mix. And you know, I was having the time of my life. I was like, "Oh, how so strong would your misdirection game be at a <laughs> party where everyone's got their boobs out?" That's insane. <laughs> I love that. And funny story for George as well. Um, so this is something I read. It didn't happen to me. I wish it happened to me. Um, cut on ceiling, right? It was too humid, right? And when the magician did this. Went up, got stuck, but two cards got stuck. Oh, okay. What? So what you are nice. seeing is this is the selected card that was stuck, and then this oh one. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. So two cards got stuck. Bam! And then everybody looked up, and they were like, "Huh, that's not my card." As the magician looked down, he got confused, and then the audience is just standing right in front. He did this here, 
it went up. Everybody looked up. Two cards. Everybody looked down. And he was like, that's not my card. And then from the corner of his eye, he saw one card just drops. Oh and then he God. goes, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. But watch this. Look up again. And then now everybody looks up and goes, Wah! Oh, my God. Oh, that's my God. So sick. So if you can recreate that, that would Holy be Holy yeah. shit. Dude, that, that is, is a effing miracle. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that? Crazy. That is insane. <sighs> <laughs> the only lift. other god damn it the only other um cool story i've heard is i think um sean hayden was telling this story it was in an office where they used the the cardboard roofs like where they're like you know like they're the little push out things and and he threw it and the card stuck but the thing bounced up and the whole deck went into the roof yeah, and yeah. the thing fell perfectly down. So he threw it up and the deck vanished, but the single card was on the roof. That's Can you cool. imagine that shit? <laughs> but, oh man, that's insane. Yeah. Epic miracle. I, that's so good. Uh, so we'll get back to the questions you mentioned, Jeremy. Um, okay. So Psycho Magician, what a name. He asked, hey, Jeremy, would you ever try to fool Penn and Teller in Fool Us? I would love to join the show, that's for sure. Fooling them is a complete other thing. I think just being able to be on the show is already good for like the magic community, um, you as a magician, and you get to post the video on your social. So I think, you know, regardless whether you fool them or not, just having yourself be on the show, good enough. So that's uh, what I'm aiming for. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, and... You could just do the video you did with uh, with Kyle, and I think you'll fool them. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You guys got to go to Jeremy's socials and watch that if you haven't. A card spring, and he's able to pluck one thought of card out of the deck that was named. That's insane. Did you send in an audition, Jeremy? Have you sent it to him? Um, I did, but yeah. I was also um, busy on, on ships, so yeah. I couldn't make um, time. But mm. I do have some time this year, so if they're willing, I'll be I'll be more than happy to to yeah. take. On you them, seem yeah. like a no brainer for them. You're an easy pick, man. Get that audition in there, if, you know. Yeah, and uh, also, um, I wanted to do like okay. So I've never visited the US before, never stepped foot in the US. Oh, okay. so I would love wow. to do like everything. I want to go to. Vegas, do magic life, go to Penn and Teller, fool us, you know, go to the castle and work and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, no. Come to New Orleans too, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, I will, next, I will. So, next year, the squad, we're all going to magic live. So oh, really? Let's get a big oh, yeah. uh, content tribe together and, I, and make I our own. I, I would love we're to. We're private to jet, picking everybody up. Oh, I would love oh, that's to gonna because, be a- um, yeah, I, I, I have... Have you I booked have a ship already for, for August? Next year, I pretty much twenty twenty four is closed for me. And uh, wow, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, it's speak it's about good. that for a minute because that that's insane. How how is cruise ship life different to your general working magician life? Like you just said, your calendar is booked out for next year, yeah, which is insane right. for a, like a corporate magician. I'm I'm always looking three months ahead. You know, that's yeah, my yeah. cycle. Yeah. Um, after the, like? after I mean after the pandemic, once the cruise ships are fully open, they try to grab X um, quite quickly. So 
this one was rather fast as well. Just in January of 2023, I had my whole year this year booked out, um, including my breaks and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm just very grateful for my uh, agent and all that for booking me out. And so um, cruise ships, they usually book out really early. I can understand because I've done corporate as well. Um, maybe three months or even one month, sometimes even like two weeks. And then they put an event together for a company and go, oh, Jeremy, are you available? It's happening in two weeks and all that. And I was like, oh, right. And so the the local event companies that I work with a lot, they also know that like cruise ships book really early. And so they try to try to book me early. But sometimes it's just, you know, they can be in the discussion phase of, you know, or what, what what theme you like, what's this event for and all that, and they try and book me. Mm. And then for whatever reason, it didn't happen, and then they have to cancel my booking. But then, you know, so I was like, uh. so the best thing for me now is to just give my all my dates to the cruise ships and then let them handle it because that has a little bit more security. And it's something that I, I, I really enjoy doing. Um, yeah, I get to I get paid to travel the world and do what I love. Were you doing cruise ships before the pandemic? Is this an industry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started in 2015 um, cruise ships for me. Do you work with your I wife? I'm never a social like media guy. Hmm. Do you work a partner act? Do you have a partner in your show? Um, so I used to. Um, my wife, um, she started with like quick change with me, and then we did uh, big illusions and all that as the year progresses, uh, and the cruise ships wanted more and more. And then during the pandemic, um, she had to take over her family's business so she can't travel with me and all that kind of thing. And then when cruise ships finally opened, and, and during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of uh, virtual shows. So I didn't really need her in some sense. So she started helping with the family business and all that um, because her dad was ill. And so now... Like she's running the business more or less, and uh, I'm traveling cruise ships. So, yeah. yeah, it seems to me cruise ship workers have moved to a smaller set, right? Like you're not expected to put women in boxes anymore. You can work out of a um, briefcase just fine. You you would think that, but yes, for fly on X, yes. But if you are a resident headliner, they would expect some sort of like a big illusion and all that. Okay, which is uh, yeah, very for the big show. Yeah, which is yeah. Yeah, they, they wouldn't fly your illusions just for one week and two shows that night and then fly you back. It will cost them too much money. But if you are on a mm. cruise ship for like seven months or something like that, then yes, they would expect some kind of big illusion. But it's also a bit of like a backwards thinking. Like there's a lot more magic that is good and visual and all that that doesn't require the magician to push boxes. You know what I'm saying? At least they're... At least the world is understanding that because I do see them moving in that direction. You know, I see guys yeah. like John Armstrong working the Disney line, you know, mm. or Eric Jones is on Disney, you know, yeah. right? They're not doing Grand Illusion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to Disney in October as well. That'll be my first uh, time in Disney. Nice. It's a dream. It's a dream, dream, dream. So, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I feel like you'll, you'll have a lot of um, your viewers on that cruise too. Like you'll have people that are going to recognize you a lot as opposed to, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of illusions, hey, we've got uh, we've got our Piper Magic review coming up in a second. And then we're going to talk about a subject Jeremy mentioned to us earlier that's kind of related to that. So let's go ahead and talk about this week's product. 
Well, this part of the podcast, friends, is brought to us by Piper Magic, Australia's premier online magic shop. And this week, we are looking at Creative Weekly by Julio Montoro. Uh, this is a very interesting product, friends, and a very interesting project. You see, the way this came about was back in 2020 during the pandemic, Julio Montoro had actually uh, started a subscription for his Spanish followers, of which nearly 900 Spanish magicians joined and subscribed to. And over the course of one year, they learned a trick every single week. So that was 52 tricks over the space of one year. And this was something that he curated especially for them. And during that time, created a lot of beautiful magic, dug a lot of stuff out of the archives, and he's now sharing that with us. And so here's what you get. Every single week or every month, you get one of these packages, right? And it's super cool because they're like signed and individualized and numbered between each each volume and only 400 of each volume are going to be released so it's a very limited run uh, and in each package you get a tutorial but as well as tutorial you get all of the materials that you're going to need to create each thing i mean bar for the exception of maybe like an exacto knife or maybe a couple of bits of like um double stick tape everything you need to create each gimmick is in there and what's great about this is that in each package, you get to learn a total of four tricks. So of the four tricks, there is always going to be one that's impromptu and won't require any gimmick making, and the other three will, but you actually manufacture these yourself. So it's super duper cool. As far as difficulty goes, making these gimmicks, not very hard at all. I just recommend that if you are someone who is underage, um, you know, under 18, perhaps you seek adult supervision so that you don't use an exacto knife and sever your fingers off ruining your career before it even starts but um as far as the pros and pros and cons go that you get everything you need and not only do you learn really strong visual magic like i've just reviewed the first three volumes of this in these three volumes alone you're taught really cool things with bills uh, lottery tickets and one of the things that's in there that's absolutely awesome and costs next to nothing to make is a really awesome peak device so you can actually use that for your mentalism routine so i totally rate that and as far as the cons go for this product i don't really see there's that many other than there's only 400 units of this being sold so once these sell out you're going to miss out entirely as far as the cost goes when this was originally created the idea was that you spent 20 US dollars and got four tricks, breaking down to $5 per trick. So that's a pretty decent deal, in my opinion, 20 US bucks. Now, the what that equates to as far as Australian money goes, you're looking at 36, maybe 37 bucks, which is awesome considering everything you need is in there. And of course, if you're a listener and subscriber of the channel, you can use discount code PiperFun. And that's all one word, PiperFun. So you go ahead and use that. It'll apply a discount. You can get this product even cheaper. So we'll wrap up by saying, who is this actually for? I think this product is pretty awesome for anyone who likes to create their own magic or wants to build their knowledge base on how gimmicks actually work. You know, I've seen a lot of effects out there using balance and so forth. You know, you probably saw Joshua Jay do a piece, you know, that came in a thing where you balanced all this sort of stuff. He teaches a piece where you can borrow credit cards and business cards and just stuff that's like all around the table and then you can achieve like an entirely awesome balance routine on the fly and he teaches stuff like that so it really opens your mind up to creating effects that you wouldn't ordinarily do one effect he does that i really enjoy is one that's using more audible senses so for example he has a box he shows the box empty 
and then he vanishes a playing card in the cleanest way. And then by shaking the card box, you can hear the card appear inside, look inside, and it's that desired card. So a lot of people don't think about using the audible senses. And a lot of people don't think about doing things like peaks and so whatever else. So it kind of opens your mind up creatively. So I totally recommend if you are a creative type or someone who just wants to do more visual magic on a social media stream for 20 US bucks to get four tricks, I think it's an absolute bargain. So of course, if you enjoyed that, stick around next week. We'll have a new product for you to review and be sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel where there is a full review of this so you can see things a little bit more in depth. Jeremy, are you familiar with this project? Were you familiar yes. with this project by um by Julio Montoro? Julio, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually heard of it, and I think um, I think I heard of it, uh, just early this year. Yeah. Because I think was it March or April, something like that. Uh, mm. I didn't subscribe to it because I'm always not at home. For me, my schedule is one week on ships, few days at home. Next day, I'm flying off, and then you know that kind of thing. But I think it's great. Like, I love these um, magicians who are coming up with original ideas and uh, putting them on Patreon or in this in this way, uh, subscription base and all that. And I mean, you know, there's so much magic to learn, and we have to kind of like get with the times as well. It used to be us writing our orders and sending it in mail. <laughs> Yeah. To Hank Lee, right? And then yeah, it was I'll, fun going by the printed page. You get <laughs> printed advertisement, and that's right. Oh, that trick sounds good. Let me send my money away based on those words. Yeah, and wait for like four months. <laughs> wow! Right. Well, you, the- you asked us. You asked us something before the podcast, right? That's sort of in this wavelength. Did you want to bring that yeah. up? Um. So yeah, my my question to even everybody watching as well. Um, is what are your thoughts on teaching magic on the internet for free, like not behind a paywall or anything like that? So mm. I would love to hear your thoughts. Like um, I have some tutorials on my YouTube channel and the tutorials are mainly like basics of card magic, how to hold a deck of cards, how to shuffle and all that. And then I go as, and the video is like progressive. So you start from, why magicians use playing cards and what kind of cards you use to how to hold a deck, how to cut cards, how to square cards. And then it progresses to like key card, you know, tricks and all that. Um, And like anybody can teach magic, but I feel that give... Sorry. (laughs) This is what happens when we do this live. I'm so sorry. My my, my finger literally just twitched and hit like the next stinger. (laughs) Please continue. Can I just add add something to your point? You were saying that anyone can teach magic and I kind of want to push back on that, Jeremy. And the reason I want to do that is that I think that there's there's something that that comes with like earning your stripes as a performer. And I'm sure that anyone Mm -hmm. can teach it. I just don't know if anyone should because I think that someone like yourself who has – been in this game for a very long time. You've been performing since what age? Mm, I started learning at nine, performing See? professionally at 14, yeah, 15. Yeah. So, so for that amount of time under your belt, when you speak and you have some a few things to say, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to what you have to say because you have done put the hours in. But there is a majority of people out there who want to teach magic 
by ultimately just exposing something they learned the week before with the intention of getting like views and stuff. And I think that that's where people are saying we shouldn't be teaching online. I think we should be teaching online. We just shouldn't be exposing things online, if that makes sense. I, I, I agree and I understand. I've seen some uh, channels um, that teach magic and they're really bad. And I just don't want to comment and all that because it, yeah, like they, they teach like a push-through shuffle in their thing and they can't even do it properly, right? Mm, and right. I, I absolutely hate to see cringy, bad magic. Yeah. And because I like like us, we all love this art so much and I think it's mm-hmm. very important to to show the world that it's actually good magic. And the guy that posted tutorials like this knows because the comments were like, uh, maybe you should practice a bit more before you teach, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yes, I, I have something to give for sure. But ethically, is it correct? Because like, say, for example, I can take um, Card College, go through every single thing on video and add my own spin to it. But is it, like, right? Is it wrong? Even if I give um, Roberto Joby credit and link... Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not correct question because uh, Devil's Advocate here would say, who? why do you ask Joby credit to teach a, you know, Jean Hugard move or a Browie reversal or, yep. you know, he's just teaching other great effects. It's not generally his material. So, you know, is is putting it behind a paywall make it okay? You know, is selling mm. secrets okay? More so than just putting them for free on YouTube? Is selling them make it all right? Mm. And I'm not for any, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that question mm. needs to be, is it okay to even teach other people's material? <clears throat> well, that's the interesting thing. I think that if, if there's someone that's influenced you, like I try to equate magic to music because I did, I was in a band for 10 years before I got into magic. I got into magic at 23 years of age. Okay. And I'm 38 now and I've been, and it's been paying my mortgages ever since. Okay. So what I love, and I said, when I say 23, I mean professionally, and then maybe a year or two before that as a, as an amateur. And I learned from YouTube, watching a channel from a guy called Andy Field. And that's where it started for me. But then that propagated me to look for other things and then found Penguin Magic and then found other magic stores. And I started to, uh, then I found like magic societies and I found magic festivals. And then you can become part of a community and a culture. And I think that's good. I think that it's great with people like Doug who are doing these discords and so forth, you know? I mean, um, I've put a lot of thought into this, probably more than most humans alive have, because I've gotten go. off for teaching on YouTube. And when I decided to teach, I didn't do so lightly because I used to be one of the ones that didn't think it was good for magic. And probably 20 years ago, it wasn't good for magic, but it's not 20 years ago now. It's That time has passed. And if we were going to lose that battle, we lost it a long time ago. Uh, Bob posted the comment, YouTube is the library. That's where everyone goes to learn. And I'll tell you what, I'm looking really forward to going to talk to the Society of Young Magicians in, as part of the national conference here. They invited me to have a discussion about social media and magic and street performing. And the first question I'm going to have for them is, who started on YouTube? And I can't wait to take a picture of everyone raising their hand. Because mm. this is where people learn now. People I, go I, I would love to, have a, to learn magic. 
I, I would love to have a separate chat with uh, Doug yeah, about this topic. I, I have a lot of thoughts in it as well, and I didn't know that you know you you spend a lot of time thinking about it and all that kind of stuff. So but this is what I think we need. It, it, what happens with the magic community is it's ultimately polarized, where the they say you can't do that, and then they say we can do that. But what we mm -hmm. need to decide is what the gray areas are of what you can and can't do in these areas where you can't expose commercial material or working repertoire. And ideally what you do submit is a, an advancement or a variant of someone else's stuff where you credit the, the creator and encourage the student to read a book, you know, and now yeah. we're maybe doing it the right way. In, in a perfect maybe world, from, from someone who isn't teaching online, well, I mean, I used to on Free Magic Live, and I wish I could destroy that capture of videos. <laughs> but anyway, but but in saying that, I've never met someone professionally that's seen my videos and goes, "Oh, I know how all your tricks work because I've seen your tutorials." Like it's only showing those that content. YouTube's very good at making sure the people that want to learn it see it. The people that don't want to don't yeah. ever see it. But in a perfect world, wouldn't it be great if? You could have all the great teachers teaching magic up until a certain level. And then anyone who wants to take it further might then go and learn it professionally from a paywall or, you know, something more advanced where they need well, more depth. And Can we take yeah. a second to identify who it's affecting as far as performance goes? And the reason I say that is this. If you are the type of magician that... I say this kind of impolitely, but I just, I'm trying to find a better word for it. The reason I say everything equating to music is because I did, I was in a band for 10 years before I got into magic. Okay. So there is performers out there that are kind of like cover bands. Okay. And they go and learn other people's songs and they go to the pub and they perform those bits and away you go. And then you've got people who are original. Okay. And they are, their sort of, Katy Perry equivalents or whatever else, you know what I mean? I might consider myself the Blink-182 of magic, you know what I mean? Who knows? But the point is, is that, like, I've written my bits, I've written my songs, my songs are my routines, and away I go. Other people can play singer songs, but there's this notion that, like, you're sort of giving them away. So I think where, going back to the question, where it's, who is it affecting? Is it about the commercial market when people buy things? And then you can literally Google, like when someone gets on stage and says, here's a routine called crazy man handcuffs. And then some kid in the front row gets their phone out and goes crazy man. Got it. Got it right here, everyone. And I've heard stories of this happening. That affects those people. Nothing I do makes me feel like it's like I'm at risk. And the reason is because I do original material. I do my own guff. And if you know how my stuff is done, that's because you came to my lecture and I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. So who's being affected? The originals, the OGs or the cover bands? Look, if you perform good magic, if you're entertaining, don't matter. You know, that's there, there is line. There is this thing that um, like lay people ask me um, and they go there. Uh oh um uh yeah I saw that you have some like tutorials and thanks for posting them but but I was thinking um like magicians aren't allowed to reveal the secrets right and I in a simple answer of yeah if magicians are not allowed to reveal secrets why are there so many magicians 
Yeah, so true. Like, uh, so true, so true. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, yes, I, I get it. Like, I feel this is not... If I cared for views and all that kind of thing, I wouldn't post my vlogs. Because if you watch, I would post, like, you know, everything that has to... I would have, like, proper thumbnails. I'll have... I would go into the YouTube game, right? Um, like, if you go to my channel, you'll see my vlogs are, like, two, three hundred views. And, you know... And, and so... I, I feel that there is a lot of things that can be thought um, on the internet that will help like young magicians uh, hone their craft. And yeah. yes, the internet is filled with, here's how you can do this trick, no preparation, right? Or, you know, easy self-working card trick. And it's just all very clickbait titles. And yes, you get the secret, but that's it. You don't get the performing thing like for example if i were to teach a control right you don't get the performing okay so let's say okay say for example i want to do a pass or, or something like that the, yes you learn the technique how how to do it and all that but then you don't know when to perform it like what must you say what must you do where to perform the pass so simple things like imagine this between me and the audience, we have like a nine square grid kind of thing. Things you don't need to hide, you can put them in front, right? Front and center. Things that you need to hide, like, you know, um, doing the pass or anything like that, you have to put it here in this, this region. And when do you do that? What do you say? How to misdirect? Regardless of how perfect your pass is, it's always done with misdirection, right? Mm -hmm. And these are the things that a lot of tutorials on the internet don't teach and i think these are more valuable lessons i'm thinking very old school now but like that's why i created the card magic workshop uh, 1.0 and then 2.0 is behind a paywall it's on skillshare and 1.0 literally teaches you this is mechanics grip <laughs> this is upper mechanics grip this is straddle mm. grip this is, you know yeah. how to square playing cards on the table you know, i i firmly feel what we need is more people teaching better lessons on the platform. You know, that's Agreed. what magic needs is not, not having it. We need better lessons like the one we just got from you. Thank you. Yeah, mm. that's great. I should, that should have been our final word, but <laughs> as we, as we wrap up today, everyone's going to have a bunch of questions to still keep asking Jeremy and we're going to get all sorts of voicemails on our SpeakPipe app about this. I love it. I love it. And we'd love to talk to, we're going to have to get Jeremy back because I feel like we only scratched the surface, you know, it's, it's, that's a beautiful thing. So Jeremy, before we wrap up and you jump on a, another ship to another part of the world, what is your final word for the day? Dream big, play work hard, and play nice. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of The Magic Guys. 